I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The sun rises just as it has for four billion years, with one difference. We are not alone. Three months ago, Earth picked up a radio transmission from an extraterrestrial civilization. When the signal came on October 12th, its unlikely recipient quickly spread the news. Some have embraced the idea that we're not the only technologically advanced species, while others are consumed with dread and paranoia. They are beliefs with no basis until now. They are on their way. The original message offered a glimpse of an intelligence radically more advanced than our own. It came with digital technology that could propel our science forward by centuries. And it contained a cosmic symphony of eerie tones, perhaps the sounds of the ET's home star system somewhere in the universe. Now, almost three months later, another message. We come. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. By the time they have the technology to come here, they have a technology to do anything. You know, aliens could come and do all these terrible things, but they could come and be benevolent. Like the things that they could teach us, 
that would be helpful to us and change our understanding of what it is to be human for the better. Our biggest fear is that they'll enslave us. We think this because we've already behaved that way. So any suggestion that an alien will treat us hostily is not insight into the true behavior of the alien. It is a mirror revealing the true behavior of humans ourselves. While the people of Earth brace for the unknown, scientists train their most powerful telescopes into the solar system, trying to see whoever or whatever sent the message. But there's a blind spot in our technology. Our most sensitive optical scopes are designed to see the blazing lights of stars in deep space. If a starship is coming in to our solar system, the only thing that we can see it by is reflected sunlight. It's going to be much more dim. And secondly, the reflected sunlight is going to look like sunlight reflected off a lot of other things, like asteroids. For weeks, the source of the message eludes us. But humans have another tool, the same one that picked up the signal in the first place. There are about a dozen big radio telescopes on Earth that can transmit these narrow, coherent beams that are very, very powerful, that can scan an object. Astronomers use this technique like radar. By bouncing microwaves off of targets and analyzing the echoes, they've mapped the surface of objects like the moon and near-Earth asteroids. But now, as the data streams in, they spot something bigger, stranger, and possibly far more dangerous than any asteroid. It's almost a billion miles away, near Saturn, and it's a thousand miles wide. That's wider than Texas. What is it? And how in the universe did it get here? If an alien had our technology and they wanted to travel between the stars, it would take them 70,000 years. We're still using chemical rockets, for goodness sake. I bet we're an embarrassment to spacefaring cultures across the galaxy. All human spacecraft are launched with rockets that use solid, liquid, or gas chemical propellants. But chemical rockets need too much fuel to get up to a velocity that would allow us to travel between the stars. As scientists study the radar images of the alien craft, they discover something astounding. The shape and density of the target all point to one conclusion. Whatever it is, it has a sail. Solar sails are a very exciting technology that we're actually trying to test now. And the theory is that much the way you can use a, a sail to capture the wind and earth to move your boat around, you can ride the light and use it to transport enormous distances. On Earth, solar sails have been a dream of spaceflight for over a century, but only recently unfurled into reality. In 2011, NASA's Nanosail D spacecraft became the first solar sail to circle our planet. Today, in Tustin, California, a group of scientists have been tapped by NASA 
to create the largest solar sail ever launched from Earth. A solar sail is a craft that takes advantage of solar radiation pressure. While photons don't have mass, they have momentum. So when a, when a photon strikes this material, it bounces off and it creates a small amount of pressure. The thrust that they create will then propel the craft forward. Solar sails can create propulsion forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. As long as the sun keeps shining on them, you don't have to carry fuel, free energy, if you will. The lighter the sails are, the more payload they can haul. The material that we're using is very, very, very lightweight, roughly on the order of 20 times thinner than a human hair. The miracle material they use is called Kapton, a gossamer film sprayed with a reflective coating just atoms thick. Kapton has a wonderful track record in space of being able to survive in high radiation environments and in high temperature environments. When it's constructed, the area of this sail will be bigger than 15,000 square feet, a third of a football field. It's technology that we can imagine, and if we can imagine it, then something out there may well already have it and know it like the back of their hand. The sail itself is blocking our view of whatever spacecraft it propels. But researchers know this much. It's sailing toward us and the sun, which means it's flying against the wind of solar photons. The alien ship may not be relying on sunlight alone to inflate the sail. One of the things that's interesting about solar sailing is it doesn't necessarily have to be riding starlight. You could also theoretically have your own lasers and let that light power where you want to go. The stars are useful in terms of these big beacons of going from place to place, but you want to use your laser to kind of maneuver around and make more acrobatic, dynamic choices along your way. High-energy lasers concentrate light waves in ultra-powerful beams, but a laser that can push a solar sail the size of Texas would need to be as strong as the sun. In other words, these beings have access to an energy supply beyond anything we know. Now, there's some possibilities there. You might be tapping into the energy of the universe's background vacuum, in which case the ship would suck in this energy from space, maybe dark energy. Some people think that might be theoretically possible. The latest revelations have scientists reeling. But right now, there's something more pressing. When radar hits a target that is getting closer, the frequency of the return signal will be greater than the one that was transmitted. By analyzing the data, scientists calculate these beings are barreling towards us at over 380,000 miles an hour, over twice as fast as our fastest spacecrafts. They'll get here in three months. The countdown has begun. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. An alien ship is racing towards Earth at an astonishing 380,000 miles an hour. Scientists suspect a laser or multiple lasers are helping it to speed toward us. And every day, the ship gets nine million miles closer. At this rate, our alien visitors will enter Earth's orbit in just three months. The clock has begun to tick. What does it want? Is it here to help us? Is it here to destroy us? We don't know at this point. All bets are off. Every scenario would be chewed over, from getting our defenses ready to getting ready for quarantine. You're going to see a run on guns. You're going to see a run on gold, because that is something that you can barter. You are going to see a revival in the bomb shelter. You will see people looking into survivalist stuff much more seriously because the aliens could be friendly, but just in case they're not, we need to be ready. Some people would look at it as the best moment in their lives and others as the beginning of the end. The news is coming too fast for most people to process. On January 28th, astronomers make a new announcement. The star system these beings come from has been identified through an analysis of the strange sounds included in the original message. The sounds of two stars, a white dwarf and a pulsar. If you could actually communicate the specific patterns of your particular home star, that would be a way of telling astronomers on another world, such as Earth, where you come from. What astronomers have discovered is that the sounds in the transmission match the emission rate of a pair of collapsed stars orbiting one another in the constellation Scorpius, 
5,600 light years from Earth. Locked in a gravitational embrace, a white dwarf is orbiting pulsar PSR B1620. Astronomers have confirmed there's a planet orbiting them. In 2003, Hubble found a planetary system that is orbiting around a pulsar and a white dwarf. So it's a binary system and it has planets in it. Nature loves to make systems of small planets. And we believe that planetary formation itself is ubiquitous and accompanies the formation of stars. But if indeed this is the alien's home, it's 30 million, million, million miles away or 125 billion trips to the moon. At their current speed of 380,000 miles per hour, that trip would have taken them nine million years. Solar sails continue to accelerate forever and ever. As long as the photons are hitting it, it will continue to accelerate, but their acceleration is very low. That's gonna be in the terms of millimeters per second squared. That's akin to our gravity on Earth. Even at the speed of light, the trip would have taken more than five and a half thousand years. Either they've been riding that sail since the Stone Age, or they know a faster way to cross the universe. There are some ways to cheat Einstein that might be possible because the physics equations, eh, hint, wormholes. A wormhole is a tunnel through the fabric of space and time, a theoretical portal that could link distant reaches of the cosmos to one another. According to the general theory of relativity, space is warped. And what that means is, if this is space, if I'm here and I want to travel over here, if these are a thousand light years apart, that would take maybe a million years. It's not very attractive. But if I create a wormhole, what that lets me do is actually curve space, bring the points together, and arrive instantaneously. We may not know exactly how the alien ship got here, but we do have a clue as to why they may have come. It lies in the star system they left behind. So white stars and pulsars, they're dead stars. They're what happens after a star explodes, goes supernova. What's coming out of that pulsar are things like X-rays or even gamma rays. It's just these high energy beams over and over and over and over again. So the planets in those systems, they're gonna get fried. It's gonna be a rough neighborhood. Did these beings leave behind a brutal star system for something better? I think it's easy to imagine an alien civilization that just wants to relocate. Could be because they've spoiled their own environment or they've gotten on someone's bad side and have to get out of Dodge. Or maybe they're migratory by nature. But how do you go about moving a civilization across the galaxy? When you're talking about a long trip between stars, one way is a very big trip, at least the size of a big skyscraper with hundreds or thousands of individuals. This is a generation ship, also called an interstellar arc. This has been portrayed in a lot of great science fiction novels, vast rotating space colonies, where you take along your cattle, your sheep, your goats, you take along everything you need. Space colonies were the stuff of science fiction. That is, 
until we got our first glimpse of their ship. A Japanese probe on an expedition near Jupiter has caught the first images of the payload behind the solar sail. Initial estimates calculate that it's bigger than New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles combined. An entire population might be on its way. If the aliens are about the same size as humans, there could be millions of them on board. Even though the starship is enormous, we can't yet know how many visitors it brings, or what they look like, or even if they're awake. If you're going for long, long periods in space, then you need a way to survive that. Like cryonic storage, where you go on this long journey and you're sleeping for most of it, and then they thaw you, and there you are ready to go. It is what's called a sleeper ship. You go into suspended animation. We haven't been able to put people into suspended animation, but squirrels do it all the time. Here on Earth, hundreds of species, insects, mammals, and amphibians, hibernate lowering their heart rate, metabolism, and body temperatures for months on end to survive harsh times. Could alien beings have evolved similar biological survival strategies for crossing the great seas of space? Life is so amazing. And what we now understand at the molecular level is that evolution has suited organisms to many, many, many different environments. Life here on Earth can be found in the most toxic and irradiated environments. Bizarre creatures called extremophiles blossom in the hell of volcanic vents, in pools of geothermal acid, barren deserts, and deep below the Arctic ice. Life can fill every corner of the planet. You'll have dust clouds of bacteria some 30 miles up above the Earth and the top of the atmosphere. We're estimating in the millions of species for bacteria. This is just the beginning. There may be other types of life forms that we haven't yet even begun to imagine. David Crowley is a microbiologist at UC Riverside, studying the life that evolved inside the choking asphalt seeps of Los Angeles's La Brea tar pits. In a soil, you will find somewhere around 10 million bacteria at least three or 400 different species, possibly many, many more. Crowley and his team use liquid nitrogen to help evict the bacteria from its ultra-toxic home so they can analyze its DNA. This is minus 196 degrees centigrade. If you were on Titan, it would be at about this temperature. Over tens of thousands of years, this bacteria ate up ancient leaves and dinosaur bones and turned them into oil until it ran out of food. New bacteria moved in, evolving powerful enzymes to digest that same noxious residue. The uncanny biology of extremophiles suggests that our universe is teeming with life. Because if creatures thrive in a place like this, they could be anywhere. Perhaps even on a faraway planetary system scorched by the radiation of two dead stars. 
So what would a highly evolved, intelligent creature from such a planet look like? Will E.T. look like us? I, I doubt it. If you look at most of the inhabitants of Earth, they have six legs. They're known as bugs, and they work just fine. Creatures from a radiation-rich environment could have evolved thick exoskeletons, not unlike many bugs. But intermittent bursts of gamma rays could have caused wild mutations among them, a biodiversity unlike anything on Earth. You want diversity? Give me a life form that has no DNA at all. Pull life from some other planet. Show me that life. Now you're talking biodiversity. Or these beings could have developed beyond biology altogether. We assume that E.T. is going to have the kind of intelligence we have with a brain and a nervous system and stuff like that. We assume all that. But it could very well be that once you get to a certain level of intelligence, you rather quickly invent your successor. You invent thinking machines. Some people would say that we are already on the path to merging with machines, that we're increasingly dependent upon our computers and our technology, and we're interacting with it in newer and deeper ways. Theoretically, within the next couple hundred years, you could take everything that exists in your brain, put it onto a digital storage place in a computer, and if something happens to your body, you just download that information from the computer into a new body, and that's you. E.T. may have survived its own technology by becoming it. They might also be desperate for a new place to call home or a new place to refuel. This whole, they need to invade us to find a new home, well, it makes for great stories, but why now? Why wasn't the Earth colonized during the two billion years when it was prime real estate and only had slime molds and mushrooms to defend it? Anything that you can find here physically on this planet, they could find much closer to home. It would save them the shipping costs. If you like our diamonds, there's a planet made of diamond. There's so many places, there's no reason to come here. Whether Earth's resources are unique or not, they're the only ones we've got. And suddenly, we've gotten a lot more protective over them. If you thought election years were bad, wait until aliens are coming. Are you for the aliens? Or are you against the aliens? Do the aliens mean we need to build up our military, or does it mean we need to build up our science funding? If the aliens come in an election year, it's going to be the craziest election year in the universe. Will our species be able to unite when it matters most? We'll find out soon enough. Another message has arrived. It's the third message Earth has received. Only this one is different than all the rest. The signal arrives through TV receivers around the globe. Only all anyone can see is static. It's possible to communicate with VHF. We're not going to pick up VHF signals from the Allen Telescope Array, but they're the kind of 
signals that could be picked up by FM radio receivers, television receivers. They propagate through the atmosphere very nicely. After weeks of analysis, researchers figure out why the message looks like static. It's actually two interlaced videos. When they pry the images apart, they see that within each frame of static are pictures, hundreds of them. The pictures look like plans for a machine, but scientists are unsure what kind of machine until they find a clue. Embedded within the message are values that researchers recognize belong to a familiar equation. The rate at which the universe is expanding, it's the same equation we've given for the mysterious force called dark energy. Dark energy is a largely unknown mystery, and yet it's 74% of the mass of the universe, which is crazy. If you think of the universe as a balloon, you can think of the dark energy as the air or the helium inside it that causes it to expand. We're talking about the force that powers the universe itself. Scientists believe the machine may be a detector that would give us the ability to pinpoint and study this enigmatic force. And if we can study dark energy, we may even be able to tap it, just as the aliens may be tapping it to power the lasers propelling their spaceship between galaxies. We might be able to travel to the stars. One of the limiting factors that we have is simply energy, propellant, getting ourselves from one place to the other and not having to worry about running out of gas. And if there was a way that just taking the ambient energy of the universe, focusing it and running it through our starships, that would be great for us because that energy is everywhere. Dark energy is so beyond the terrestrial fuel sources we have. If we were able to detect it and harness it in a meaningful way, we would think about energy totally differently. None of the stuff we use now would matter. Dark energy would launch an era of unprecedented change for humanity, whether we're ready for it or not. I don't know if there's a lot to suggest in our history that if we split the secret of dark energy, that we would use it responsibly and not for our own ruin. Maybe it's in a horribly sinister attempt to make us blow ourselves up with it. The sophistication of these beings is awe-inspiring, even frightening. We can only begin to grasp their technology, let alone their strategy. Indeed, if they can harness dark energy, we cannot ignore the possibility they could use it against us. Resistance would be futile. Try to think of Civil War soldiers from a couple hundred years ago with muskets and, and early rifles trying to, like, you know, take out the armies of today. They'd have an enormously difficult time. And that's just a 200-year edge. Now try to think about, like, a thousand or ten thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. I've seen these Hollywood movies where Aliens come from another planet, and they're zapping things. And here they're like police shooting with their handgun. Bullets don't beat a gun that zaps you. All this assumes these extraterrestrials are like us. They fight. But some say they can't be as violent as we are, or they would never have become so advanced. Could they have evolved beyond war? They have to develop beyond war because the technology of war can reach a stage where it can destroy the civilization. 
the image of the atom bomb, it really chastened us. And for the first time in human history, we had new weapons and decided not to use them. Maybe war is an unthinkable concept, not because they transcended it, but because it was never a thought to begin with. To ask whether another species has somehow transcended war implies that they have the same weaknesses that we had all along. And I'm not prepared to drag them down into that sewer. On Earth, core belief systems are rocked. While some await the coming of E.T. with a messianic zeal, others fear alien dogma. The more religious you are, you would see all these different possibilities. Is this, you know, heaven sent or infernal? Many religions are already very comfortable with the notion of extraterrestrial intelligence. The question is, will the visiting aliens have religion? And might it conflict with our own dogmas? Without any doubt, some humans, especially Californians, will adopt whatever it is they believe. On coasts and countries across the globe, most people aren't leaving. They're not hiding or stocking up. Instead, they're gearing up for the biggest open house party in the history of the human race. Because the one thing that's propelled every single significant human discovery so far still cannot be stopped. Our insatiable curiosity. Just 90 million miles away, the enormous starship has started to slow, as though it were now coasting to a stop. In two weeks, the people of Earth will have a close encounter with beings from another world. What secrets might they know? What doors might they open? There have been many proposals that in fact there is an Encyclopedia Galactica. And the idea was that there could be this repository of knowledge where all the civilizations of the galaxy might store their information. You could ask the Oracle, not the Oracle at Delphi, but the Oracle of this intergalactic club, how life arose on their planets. Where did they come from and where are they going? And whether we have a good chance of making it. We call it the archaeology of the future. So we can learn about the future of our civilization and learn how they survived their development would be crucial for us. If I had one question, I would ask, how many senses do they possess? And what do they do to bring pleasure to those senses? Think, we have a sense of sight. We create art. We have a sense of hearing. Great music is composed. Our urge to serve these five senses is the foundation of our culture. The secrets of the universe could be arriving on our doorstep. No more waiting to send and receive messages across the light years of space. If I'm sending a signal across the galaxy and I'm waiting for it to return, the return trip across the galaxy is 200,000 years. 100,000 across, 100,000 back. Suppose every email, every tweet that you made took 300 years to get to the nearest other person, and it took 100,000 years to get to the farthest person in your galaxy. You know, that would really slow things down. On Earth, time is moving in its relative way. As our date with destiny hurdles closer, things seem to go in slow motion. But civilization as we know it has been around for over 5,000 years. These aliens, 
may have been traveling for 50,000 years. What's a few more days? Out in the desert of the American Southwest, there's a group that's trying to change our very perception of time in order to see ourselves as part of something bigger. Deep inside a mountain in Van Horn, Texas, a group called the Long Now Foundation is constructing what they call the 10,000-year clock. The clock will be 200 feet tall, and its hand will tick once a year, the century hand advancing once every 100 years. And every day for 10,000 years, its chime will ring in a unique sequence. Long Now's stated goal is to usher in a new way for humans to perceive time beyond the non-stop spin cycle of everyday life so that we can be a long-living species and so our world can survive us. I can imagine sharing ideas over long distances in time and space. We have an example of it already. We read the ancient Greeks and Romans. That information has transferred forward in time. But right now, time is a dwindling commodity. 30 and above, you're gonna have a midlife crisis. There's going to be some people who are gonna say, you know, the aliens are coming. I don't wanna be married to this person when the aliens arrive. And so you'll see relationships break up. You're gonna take those credit cards and you're gonna max them out. Telescope manufacturers are gonna be incredibly happy. Around the world, airports and train stations are swarmed. Highways become parking lots. Many of us go into panic mode, stocking up and triggering a worldwide run on basic goods. No, 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 But as we see new sides of ourselves, coming out in unexpected ways, we also find ourselves grasping onto what we are familiar with, what makes us feel safe. We're all Earthlings. We are all the same. The problems that we have to solve in order to get to that long technological future are global problems. For thousands of years, we've wondered whether we're alone in the universe. Now the answer has come calling. What comes next is anyone's guess. Ever since scientists first spotted the ship out amongst the planets of the outer solar system, the world has been watching and waiting. Now the ship is passing the moon. It's nearing our orbit. On Earth, the streets are dead quiet. As the aliens come closer, they're weeks away, they're hours away, things start getting strange. It's waiting for a wave. The wave is coming. You can see it on the horizon, getting closer, getting closer. You can't run from it. Here it comes. Here it is. Ask most people this. The response is going to be, well, I'm going to spend time with my family. But there are other people who are going to be, you know, I want to find someone to kiss. I want to traveled to the places that I've never traveled before. These are my last hours. Above the atmosphere, the great ship yawns, and out come its emissaries. 
At this point, all we humans know is that we have as much reason to be terrified as we have to be exhilarated. It'd be a big mystery how you greet them. How do we greet each other? We like extend our hand. This could be the greatest expression of rudeness ever. It might be the last gesture you ever make. It's sort of like, you know, the Indians standing around on the islands of the Caribbean when Chris Columbus sailed into view and, you know, arguing amongst themselves, well, what should we say to these guys? Really, it didn't matter what they said. It was the encounter that was important. Among all the possible motives for this encounter, invasion, theft, desperation, perhaps the answer isn't as exotic as we might think. What we see is a human desire to reach out and to understand and to be understood. Maybe it's not human, maybe it's universal. Are there other worlds out there? Is there life out there? We build the machines, we go as far as we have to in order to answer these very deep questions that have been puzzling us for thousands of years. But I have a feeling that if there are other civilizations that are as advanced as ours, then they would be pursuing the answers to the self-same questions as well. There are a universe of questions. None can be answered yet, but soon, if we're lucky. <laughs>